0: Welcome to Whitewater Wesleyan Community Church, where we invite you to believe in Jesus, belong to his church, and become like him. Stay tuned for this week's message. If you haven't been with us, we've been uh, working through the Gospel of Mark uh, this Easter season for the last six weeks, I believe it is. And, uh, and sharing the story from there. And so I'm picking up the thread this morning in chapter 15, or sorry, chapter 16 of Mark's Gospel and starting at verse one. Saturday evening when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way they were asking each other, Who will roll the stone away for us from the entrance to the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and saw the stone, which was very large, had been rolled aside. When they entered the tomb, they saw the young man clothed in white, in a white robe, sitting at the right side. The women were shocked. But the angel said, don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there, just as he told you before he died. The women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered. And they said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. So last year, if you, if you were with us... Uh, I don't know if you noticed, but uh, you might have noticed that I preached on that same passage. And uh, so the story ended, and uh, Mark's gospel has kind of three alternate endings. But the first one, the short version, ends as this passage did with uh, with the women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered, and they said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. So they encountered the risen... Uh, Jesus, they they came to the tomb. He's gone. The angel tells them he's risen from the dead. And they go away and they flee the tomb, trembling, bewildered. They're scared to death. and so So they tell no one. But as we pointed out then, since Mark knows the story to write it down, And since we have the other two alternate endings that also expand on the story and talk about how the other disciples learned of it and uh, how the word started to spread, we know that they told somebody, right? Like they didn't stick with their first instinct, but their first instinct was to say nothing to anyone. Scared, overwhelmed, they ran away and said nothing. And Mark in his original version, kinda ended the story there and left it hanging. And my, my theory would be he did it that way so that all of his listeners who were, who were reading the story, they would get to that part, and whether they were reading it or having it read to them, they'd, they'd hear the whole story of Jesus' life, and, and Mark's Gospel is like ten the first 10 chapters. is 16 chapters long. First 10 chapters cover his whole life up until his last week and then six chapters on one week before his death. And Mark expands that whole week and gets into the, the, the fine details of what happened that week. And we've been following through that story. But, but the story starts with, uh, with the triumphal entry when Jesus rides into Jerusalem. And uh, throughout the week, the religious leaders... They try to get something on Jesus and they never seem to be able to get the upper hand until Thursday when they try him and uh, they bring false charges and they contradict themselves but he's silent at every step of the, uh, of the trial and then when he finally speaks, they charge him with blasphemy, with, with claiming something that, that would, would be unrighteous before God and, and he, they ask him who he is. Is he the Messiah? And he says, I am. And that's the divine name. When, when Moses was uh, going to Pharaoh, he, he said to God, "You know, who should I tell Pharaoh sent me? And he says, tell him I am sent you. Like that's me. That's my God. name is God. I am. The great I am. And so when Jesus says I am, he's admitting who he is. And that's the moment when they started to get the upper hand, and that happened Thursday night, so they were able to try him, they were able to convict him of blasphemy, and then they were able to send him to Pilate, who also kind of went along with things, and at the end of the day washed his hands and agreed to crucify Jesus. And so Mark Proposes this ending of the story, and he wants his listeners to go, No, that can't be it. How could they do that? How could these women walk away and not tell anyone? They know Jesus rose from the dead and has power over everything. They know he actually is the Messiah, and they walk away and they keep their mouths shut about it. How can that happen? And of course, they did tell. But his, his question is really, what if they didn't say anything, right? Like, what if they never told anyone? What if it really ended that way? What if they didn't tell? And what if the disciples didn't find out? And, and so the 12 went back to their own lives and, and forgot about all this because it seemed like Jesus was dead and their hope was crushed. What if it didn't spread? What if you and I, sitting here in Whitewater Wesleyan this morning, had never heard that Jesus rose from the dead? And so Mark ends his gospel with that story, what if they didn't tell? But, but the Apostle Paul pushes the question even deeper, and in that passage that Betty read a little earlier, he, he proposes, he says, if there is no resurrection of the dead, like if it never happened, if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless. And and you're still guilty of your sins. And in that case, all who died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone else. He says, Any faith, any religion that we might claim is useless without the resurrection. And so if there's no resurrection, then Christ hasn't been raised. If, if, there isn't, if that doesn't happen, then it didn't happen to him. And if it didn't happen to him, then we have this useless faith. And we're still walking around guilty and condemned of our sins. And if we're walking around like that, then the people who, who die believing in Jesus are completely lost. And there's no point. And he says, if our, if our hope is in Christ only for this life, man, you should pity us more than everybody else on the planet. Like we're just sad, miserable beings. If that's the way things have played out. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope is in Christ only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. And so we look at it this morning and we would say the whole thing hinges on the resurrection of the dead. That the whole story that we believe in, the whole thing that makes us who we are, the whole thing that means that it's worthwhile for us to gather in here this morning and sing those praises at the top of our lungs is because Jesus actually rose and we can look at that with resurrection hope for life. And so Paul says, what if that didn't happen? Well, if that didn't happen, then he didn't rise. And if he didn't rise, then our faith is useless. And and it doesn't lead to anything. And when you die, you just die. And and that's hopeless. And and if we're only hoping in this life, if we're only looking for satisfaction in this life, if we're putting all of our hope in, in the things that we can gather, and the kind of life that we can build for ourselves, and the kind of career that we can have, and the kind of relationships that we can have, if we look at our happiness in terms of the those things of this world and that's all there is if that was really true then he says Christians are the saddest bunch of people on the planet you should feel sorry for us and so he hinges everything in life on the resurrection and he says what happened at that moment was the incredible power of God at work in the universe, doing what God does, bringing life from death, giving life to deadness. And so he leads logically, this leads to that, and if, if there's no resurrection, then the whole thing's awash. Pointless. No future, no hope. But of course, Paul doesn't believe that. He doesn't believe that there's no hope. He doesn't believe that there's no future. He doesn't believe that we should be felt sorry for because he believes in the resurrection. But it's not just that he believes in the resurrection so we can say, well, when I die, I'll get to go to heaven and and whatever's gone wrong in this life, it'll all be made right then. That's what one preacher called, pie in the sky when I die, by and by. like He says, look, that's that's not what Christianity is. It's not like waiting and going, boy, this life really stinks and one day I'll get to go be with Jesus. That's not what it is. That's not what he's pointing to. He doesn't say hope is... In this life is pointless because our only hope is in the resurrection. He says, hope in this life only. Like he's not saying there's no hope for this life. But he goes, when things start with Jesus, Jesus points out that the, the kingdom has come now. And when Jesus came to proclaim the kingdom, he said, the kingdom has come and the kingdom is coming. And when he prays for, teaches his disciples how to pray, he says to them, look, what do, they, what do they pray? Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Right. He goes, we're going to start now, and our reality is going to bleed into heaven. Like it's, it's going to go over that bump that we call death, but it's like a, a speed bump in the road. It's, it's nothing to be worried about. He tells us death has no sting. Why? Because we're not only not focusing on this life and the things of this life for our satisfaction and for our meaning, for our purpose. It's not that only this life is useless all by itself. He says, look, and we're waiting for heaven. He says it both ways. He goes, it's pointless to just believe in this world, but we do have hope in this world because of the world we're going to. And so it isn't one or the other. It's not heaven or or your earthly life. He starts his kingdom now and he teaches his disciples and he teaches the church to follow him and to live according to kingdom values and to live lives of love now so that we can ready ourselves for the transition. So when we walk over that step into the great beyond, we do it because we're ready for it. Because we've already started living it out. Because we've started to living like we love each other and we love the whole world, even our enemies. And so Jesus taught them to start living like they were in the kingdom now. Because the kingdom has already started to come. So that the minute that you believe in Jesus, the minute that you accept that the resurrection is a reality, that life starts to grow in you. And so Jesus kept referring to it as abundant life because ironically, it's when you give up your life that you find it. And so he leads them into a kingdom that's about sacrifice, but that's more full and more satisfying and more purposeful than any other way you could live. And so he says, if we only counted on this life, then our faith is useless. Like there's no point in it. It doesn't, it doesn't lead anywhere, it doesn't do anything. And then even our future uh, is, is in jeopardy because we're not going to heaven and nothing's out there. But he says because there's a resurrection, the power of the resurrection it doesn't just mean that we will get to live forever one day in heaven. It also means that we begin to live the moment that we accept his resurrection power. That it moves into us at the very moment that we allow him to. And it starts to transform us until our lives look like his and we walk around living out the kingdom and living like him to such a degree that it starts to have an impact on the people around us. And so the message that Paul's trying to tell them is like, we got to start this now. We're not waiting for anything. Heaven has started to exert its influence on us. And so Jesus says, look, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Like, let's let that bleed into this world instead of waiting for that world and demarking and saying, this is bad and that's good. He says, let's start living like we're already there because it is already inside of us. The kingdom isn't out there somewhere waiting for us. The kingdom has moved into our hearts and it's starting to do its business on us. starting to shape us and fill us and give us purpose And more than that, to give us hope. It brings back to life every part of our lives that have succumbed to deadness. And it can be really easy sometimes to feel the deadness of our world and the deadness of our living. And we feel like, ah, I just feel like there's something missing. I feel like I'm not really living and I feel like I'm not really alive. It can be easy to to succumb to that kind of hopelessness and that sense of despair, but Jesus invites us into something bigger and broader and more powerful and more hopeful than any of that. He invites us into his kingdom and because of his resurrection, we have purpose and we have hope. And so life takes over everything in us that feels the most dead. And he offers us that abundant life that fills us and satisfies us and leads us on the great adventure of following him and seeking after him more than anything else because it's way more satisfying than any other way to live. The kingdom has come. And the kingdom's moved into our neighborhood and into our lives. And it beckons us to follow it and to live by it and to experience the beauty of it so that heaven isn't all that different for us. And if we live out that kingdom, if we... Hear Jesus' call, if we follow after him, if we hear the Apostle Paul say what that hope and that resurrection's done in him, then we start walking after him and we go places. And our lives completely change. And so that hope and that joy takes up residence. And it all leads from the resurrection. So we just don't talk about it as a theory on Easter. Oh, that's really nice. Jesus came back from the dead. Isn't that cool? And maybe someday we'll get to go to be in heaven with him. We believe it comes and it grabs a hold of us and it changes our lives forever. Hope comes from the resurrection and it causes the kingdom to bleed into the here and now and to pull us into life That will last forever and fulfill us completely. Let's pray together. God, this morning as we've gathered, we've sung hymns of hope and life. We've sung about your resurrection and and heard stories about the impact you have on us. The way that you free us from the mistakes that we've made and the guilt of our sins. And yet we know that your resurrection power does so much more than that. We thank you this morning for the call of, of the gospel and the call that Paul issues on your behalf, that we would come follow you, that we would fill our hearts with the hope of your resurrection, knowing that it changes everything. Thank you, Father, that, that Mark was so inspired that that week he, he went into detail on because those... Stories have impacted us and pulled us into your hope and your kingdom in ways that we could not have gone without knowing. And so we ask you this morning that your story and your hope and your resurrection would grab hold of us and would transform us and would fill us with your power to live new kinds of lives so that we love everyone around us, even our enemies, so completely that we begin to look more and more and more like you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your example. Thank you that you came and that you taught us what you taught us and that you lived and that you died. And even more than that, that you were resurrected from the dead. Thank you for the truth of Easter. Not just as a fact that we can believe in, but as a power and a hope that we can rely on and a force that we can allow to shape our lives for the better and make us people who have wonderful, abundant, rich, full, adventurous lives in you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.